0: We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and God willing before I go on my uh, summer holiday we hope to finish this chapter. Paul has been worried sick for the believers of Thessalonica because he had to leave them so soon and he sent Timothy there to see how they were faring. Uh, This was when Paul was still in Athens And now Timothy returns to Paul with a glowing report of the faith and love of the believers. Those are the big things. How is your faith and your love? And by that point, Paul had moved to Corinth and Paul breathes a huge sigh of relief. And he says in verse 8, for now we live because... Not if, because you stand fast in the Lord. So Timothy's given a report which has encouraged Paul's heart and Paul has rejoiced over that report. That's where we've got to. This evening, I just want to deal with the third point we were meant to deal with last Sunday I was here. And that's another R, Paul's resolve, Paul's resolve resolve what is Paul going to do now for these believers so we ended last time with this vital statement about standing are you still standing that's what a Christian is to do in one sense in the spiritual battle the enemy wants us to go down and we're to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, so that we stand. And even when we fall, we get back up and still stand. Paul said in Ephesians 6 in the reading, having done all, to stand. So can I put it like this? If you're still standing, that's no mean feat. To be still standing in the Lord is proof that we Uh, his now in Paul's resolve here for the church of Thessalonica I just want to be practical and ask how are we to keep on standing how is it to be done Uh, in Ephesians 6 Paul talked about putting on the whole armor of God and we're not going to deal with that tonight but in these verses there are a number of things he's going to mention in order to help us to keep on standing so I'm trusting that as those who believe in the absolute sovereignty of God we are not thinking well I don't have to do anything then because it's the Lord that enables me to keep on standing I'm just gonna kind of relax and let him hold me up well I had an enjoyable lunch and We believe in the sovereignty of God, don't we, in providing the food and in providing the means for cooking the food. But we don't say because God is sovereign, we don't have to do anything. Otherwise, none of us would have had a Sunday lunch. The fact that God has provided everything we need is an inducement for us to get on with the resolve of cooking a delicious sunday lunch and so how are we practically then going to keep on standing what does paul have to say here let's read from verse 8 for now we live if you stand fast in the lord for what thanks can we render to god for you for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our god night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. Paul, how am I to keep on standing? The first thing Paul mentions here, what does he do? He prays, doesn't he? After saying, it's all right, you're still standing, what thanks can we render to God? And then verse 10, this isn't just... uh, Um, praying now and again. It's an attitude. Night and day, praying. Not just uh, praying occasionally, not just praying in a flippant way, but praying exceedingly. Prayer. Ravenhill said in his book, Why Does Revival Tarry? The church is dying on her feet because she's not living on her knees. The church is dying on her feet because she's not living on her knees. Is there anybody here this evening who thinks that because they've been a Christian for so long now, decades for some of us, that that is why it's all right ...for the future. We are going to keep on standing... ...because I've managed to get so far. Others have fallen to the wayside... ...but not me. Listen, my friend. Let him who thinks he stands... ...take heed, lest he fall. Our attitude should be... ...Lord... ...I dare not take a step... ...unless thou show the way. Lord, unless you uphold me... ...I am going to fall. And what's that well that's prayer isn't it what's the essence of prayer i'm not interested here paul isn't interested in here in saying our prayers when paul says we give thanks he doesn't necessarily mean that he's bowing his head or going on his knees and saying a prayer he's got this thankful attitude for the thessalonians remaining as they are and i believe when paul is saying that he's praying night and day that can't mean that he's praying 24 7 because how could he write this letter otherwise how could he get on and do other things what he's saying is he's constantly remembering these dear believers in prayer i remember once being in a car with the Christian, and uh, there was a shortage of uh, petrol, and it was showing on the uh, the petrol indicator that we were running out of petrol. And so this gentleman believed he had to pray, and he was doing this as he was driving. It wasn't an arrow prayer; he shut his eyes. <laughs> now, now there's an attitude of prayer where we don't have to close our eyes. are we utterly dependent on god just as we trusted in jesus christ alone for salvation we didn't contribute anything are we still trusting in him for everything prayer said one hymnist is the christian's vital breath if i don't pray i don't move spiritually Interestingly, Paul was writing this letter from Corinth. What kind of church was Corinth? It was the opposite of Thessalonica. Thessalonica was an infant church. It was a church of ordinary believers, yet they were full of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Corinth was a much bigger church, and it was a church that had some big guns in it. And those big guns were very gifted, but they were causing big problems. Haven't you had enough of big names? We've seen, haven't we, maybe more on the other side of the Atlantic, big evangelical names falling one after the other. Aren't you tired of the big names thinking that they've got the answers to take the evangelical church forward? It's not big names that we need. When a person is on his knees in prayer, whether physically or metaphorically, you are saying, I'm small. I'm weak. But it's not me that's big. It's my saviour that's big. Do you have a big saviour? Mighty Christ. My friends, we have a big God. We may be small, Uh, We are not that small as a church, but many churches meeting in Wales are tiny at the moment. But that doesn't matter because a small congregation has a big God. We've got a big God. We've got a big Savior. We believe in a big Holy Spirit. That's what prayer is about. That's why the prayer meeting is really the powerhouse of the church. Not one soul will be saved unless God moves by his spirits. And we can't keep standing unless God enables us. We must pray. There's a hymn, I think we sung it last time. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh, the arm of flesh. A prop, a human prop will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor, and even as I'm doing that, each piece put on with prayer. Prayer, not an option. And notice what Paul does, especially in his prayer here. For what thanks can we render to God for you? The first response of the Apostle Paul, this great man of God, hearing Timothy's reports of the steadfastness of the believers of Thessalonica, is... to thank god here was a big-hearted man why are we so mingy in our giving of thanks we're good aren't we at mentioning prayer requests we're not so good at returning thanks for answered prayer maybe we don't have the expectancy these things go together don't they I'm thinking of some of the stalwarts we've had the privilege uh, to minister to in this church. Do you remember Mona? It, it, she, she looked so frail, didn't she? It, it looked as if a wisp of a breeze would blow her over. But wasn't she mighty in prayer? A prayer warrior and others we can remember intercessory prayer uh, you may feel that you've got to the stage where you can't do as much in the life of the church my friend you can do the greatest work in this church the lifting up of the ministry in prayer the lifting up of one another in prayer it's it, it's one of the uh, greatest privileges And look at what uh, Paul says here. Uh, Where does he say it? Uh, He talks about God supplying what is lacking in your faith. Where does he mention that in 1 Thessalonians 3? God supplying what is lacking in your faith. Verse 10 night and day praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith the word in the greek therefore lacking is the same as repairing uh it's the same word that is used of mending nets if you think of the nets that peter would have used when he was a fisherman and uh there would have been tears in the nets uh something was lacking and so they needed to be mended Uh, a similar uh the term is used also in the greek for setting in order uh bones if you've broken uh, your bone uh then you have got to set the bones in order for them to heal properly uh gaps gaps so as in any church the church in thessalonica would have had needs there would have been gaps no church on earth is perfect if you find a perfect church leave because it won't be perfect if you go there. Every minister, speaking of myself, but my predecessor, Verun Hayam, we all have gaps in our ministries. We all have weaknesses. As a believer, you will have. Uh, weaknesses as a church i'm sure we will have gaps and notice what paul is doing with the gaps in thessalonica he's not saying oh those christians in thessalonica they're not very good at that he is not talking to timothy and to silas and whoever else he may have in corinth Uh, you can imagine can't you these people in corinth apollos was there and these other gifted christians Oh, Paul could have very easily have put down the believers in Thessalonica and said, oh, they've, they've got gaps, they've got weaknesses. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't criticize them. What does he do? Instead of criticizing, he prays. He prays. Do we pray where there are gaps? Or do we criticize? Criticize? Cooper very pointedly wrote, were half the breath thus vainly spent, he's talking about complaining and wearying your fellow creatures here <laughs> with complaints, were half the breath thus vainly spent to heaven in supplication sense. Our cheerful song would oftener be hear what the Lord has done. For me um, I remember hearing about the Bala Ministers' conference many years ago, many, many years ago, and I. B. Davis, Andrew Davis's father, was involved in that conference. And uh, some of the more reformed ministers were not happy that the Armenian brethren uh, were praying a lot they were praying too much and so they complained to I.B. Davis and I.B. Davis just said to them what's wrong with you? You pray! You claim to be reformed and believe in a sovereign God? Why don't you pray? Stop criticizing those other brethren. Turn your criticisms into prayer. I love the Apostle Paul, don't you? So this is the first thing we have to do. There are no shortcuts here. If we are to keep on standing, and if we're to grow as Christians, we must pray. We must pray. And then the next thing, what is the next? You've probably guessed what it is. The Word of God. So the Apostle Paul he wanted to see them face to face what would paul have done if he would have got to thessalonica Uh, would paul have just spent his time there sightseeing well he might have done a bit what would paul have done with the believers of thessalonica well he would have had them together and he would have opened the word to them wouldn't he because he couldn't go there he sent Timothy instead, and what did he send Timothy to do? Exactly the same thing, to strengthen their faith by ministering the Word. And now that Timothy has come back with an encouraging report, and now that Paul himself still can't go there, what does he do? He writes to them. And what does he write? Not a personal letter, but the Word of God. My friends, the only way we can keep on standing is through the word of God. This church does not have an altar. That's not an altar. That's an ordinary wooden table. This church has a pulpit in the middle and an open Bible because it's the word of God. That's our authority. That's the means of our strengthening there was a controversy in the early church. Incidentally, controversies in churches are not bad things because God uses them to bring good out of them. And one of the first controversies in the early church was some of the widows felt they were not being looked after properly. And as a result of that, the apostles were led to call deacons. And the reason why the apostles let the deacons look after the widows, was, do you know why? This is a motto, in order that we may give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. Notice the order. It's not the ministry of the word and then prayer. That's how we do it. We may give ourselves to prayer first and then the ministry of the word. And the word give in the Greek means addict. Addict ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word i'm a pastor a minister what am i a minister of i'm not a minister of sports thank god <laughs> there wouldn't be much shape if i was a minister of sports. i'm not a minister of music i love music but that's not my ministry i'm a minister of the word The Apostle Paul was a minister of the Word. Timothy was a minister of the Word. Peter. What did Peter do? Peter didn't have a fishing business when he became a minister. And he used that as a form of outreach. Peter left his nets and became a minister of the Word. The Word. This is what we're about. This is why we gather on the Sunday. The Word of God Uh, jesus christ said quoting from Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone it's impossible isn't it Uh, not uh, to uh, eat Uh, how long can you last without food Uh, not long Uh, but you can't live without spiritual food man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of god oh lord i need food in order to be strengthened, in order to survive. But I need spiritual food if I'm to survive and keep on standing spiritually. Lord, if I don't feed in your word, then I'm going to wither. You need the word of God. I need the word of God. Are we feeding on the word of God? As somebody said Children are excellent, aren't they, at asking pointed questions. Dad, why why do we have to have a quiet time every day? And all the father said was, son, why do you eat every day? Why do you eat every day? This is not about legalism, it's simply about feeding. Do we feed spiritually? And then... It's not just prayer and the word. So in prayer, we're talking to God. That's what prayer is. What a privilege to speak to our Savior. In the word, God is speaking to us. Two way. And then there's something else. Uh, Again, let's read. For what thanks, verse 9, can we render to God for you... For all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. So Paul here isn't just thinking about private prayer or private reading of the word, our quiet times that is, that is important. But Paul is thinking about the corporate, isn't he? He's writing this letter to the Church of Thessalonica. And the Church, when they gather on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, Resurrection Day, would have had this letter read out to them. And what do we have then? Well, what we've got then is fellowship. Uh, have, haven't we downplayed fellowship over the years? Don't we often associate fellowship with uh, tea, or instant coffee and biscuits. Now, there's nothing wrong with having that after church, but that's not fellowship. Face to face. That's what fellowship is. Face to face with God through Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with him. And because our fellowship is with him, our fellowship is with one another. We'll look at this more next time. But what is it that binds us together as Christians? It can't be anything else. It can't be age. It can't be gender. It can't be interests. It can't be nationality. It can't be particular convictions when it comes to all sorts of secondary things what binds us together is fellowship is the image of jesus christ in one another the spirit of christ in one another we don't speak the same language maybe but we speak the same spiritual language because like attracts like And it doesn't matter whether you're in Wales or whether you're in Ukraine or whether you're in India. What the people of God do when they come together has always remained unchanged. The word. If you haven't got the word, you haven't got a church. I always say to students or people moving away to another part of the country, especially if there's a dearth of churches go to a church where the word is central you know I can overlook a lot of other things in a church and I've been to some churches that are very different and I can overlook all those things if the word is central The preaching of the word. Uh, This is the highlights of the Sunday service. And then uh, you have, don't you, prayer. Uh, You have the sacraments, uh, the Lord's Supper tonight. We occasionally have baptism services. Would to God that we had them more often. Let me just uh, take you to Acts 2. Uh, Here is the church in miniature act is the blueprint of the church well, what did they do th- th- this is after that great uh sermon on the day of pentecost when three thousand were converted and added to the church in one service we wouldn't have room for that would we And what did they do after that? Oh, it's a lovely description. Verse 41 in Act 2. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So there's the word, there's baptism. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued, they kept on standing, steadfastly in what in the apostles doctrine that's the word and fellowship in the breaking of bread that's communion and in prayers i'm sure we can add to that what we mentioned this morning the singing of god's praises that's always been the hallmark of the church even in the old testament the church had its hymn book the book of psalms so what are we talking about here how am i to grow spiritually how am i to keep on standing spiritually as an individual christian how are we to keep going as a church well god has given to us what we call the means of grace prayer the word, the sacraments, the singing of his praises, the fellowshipping of the people of God. This is what our forefathers called them, the means of grace. Now, that doesn't mean that God uses these things automatically to save us. But a sovereign God has given us these means in order that we may be fed and nurtured and grow. Now, how you work this out will vary according to your culture, uh, the situation you're in, but for us here, the means of grace... What constitutes this church? Our raison d'etre as a church. If we stopped doing these things, we'd stop being a church. What are they? Well, there's the gospel, isn't there? The gospel is preached every Sunday morning. And then there's a Sunday evening service. And this is more teaching. And in the Sunday services, we have the ordinances, communion, and baptism and of course we sing we don't just hear the word we sing the praises of god we pray but then there is the midweek meeting which is really the prayer meeting the bible study is just there to lead us into the time of prayer and then in that meeting we hear once a month of what god is doing in other parts of the world my friends those three meetings are the means of grace we used to put them in capital letters. And all the other meetings were not, although we did have the Monday Bible study in capital letters then as well. But times have changed. These are the essentials. Everything else we do is extra. Praise God for other things that God allows us and leads us to do. Praise God. but never at the expense of the means of grace. So if we are to keep on standing and keep on going and even grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give ourselves to these things. Now notice, we must be careful here that we don't become harsh. Uh, It's so encouraging to see now after a couple of years of lockdown, uh, we are all gradually regaining confidence, aren't we, to come back to the physical meetings. Thank God that when we weren't able to meet physically, he provided us with Zoom. And I know some of you listening are over Zoom tonight are still not able to come physically. We can't be hard with one another. We've all got different life situations. But these are the things that a sovereign God has given to us in order that we might grow. And there's no point in us complaining if we're not using these means of grace. Uh, Let me just uh, mention a few other things and then I will be done because we've got the communion. Uh, Paul said in verse 8, now we live, if you're still standing do you know what my favourite phrase is? Get a life. Do, do you like that phrase? Get a life. Doesn't the church of Jesus Christ in the West today need to get a life? We seem to be messing around, don't we? We're, we have lost the importance of the word and of the gospel and of giving ourselves to the things of God. When you look at the way people are serious about the other things that they do in life, and then when you look at the churches and our laxy daisiness, don't we need to get alive? I know some uh, Christians who come from other parts of the world, they can't understand why our services are so short. And I don't want to be legalistic in looking at these means of grace. In some parts of the world where they've never had a Sunday evening service, all they're used to is one service, and that one service is three to four hours long. What a feast! Don't we need to get a life? And give ourselves to these things. Aren't you glad of the Lord's Day? A day that God has commanded us to rest on. What a kind God that commands us to rest. I'm I'm so glad Andy has been called to us. uh, Because one of the first things Andy uh, said to me was... You need a sabbatical. The kindness of realising that a pastor needed to rest. And we've got a God who is so good that he gives us one day to forget about what we have to do during the week and just to give ourselves to the things of God. Notice the Bible doesn't go into details on what we can't or can do on a Sunday. What matters is this. Is this a red letter day in your week? Uh, Just as when you were young, you look forward to your birthday maybe or to Christmas day and everything revolved around that. So Sunday, this is the highlight of my week. This is the Lord's day. This is the day when I can do those things that I haven't got time to do on other days of the week. Oh, I sometimes have to rush through my quiet time. But now I've got a day I can just spend as long as I want. We shouldn't be so busy on a Sunday that we can't enjoy (laughs) resting and fellowshipping together. And aren't you glad? We, We need to get a life, brothers and sisters. If Sunday has become a drag, we need to get a life. If Sunday has become so busy that we're forgetting the purpose of our meeting together, we're not meeting together just for the sake of a meeting. May God cure us of that disease called meetingitis. We're not having meetings for the sake of it. The purpose of a meeting is to fellowship with Jesus Christ. We're meeting here tonight so that we meet with him. And in meeting with him, we really meet with one another, don't we? Do you know what a Red Letter Sunday is for me? It's like a foretaste of heaven. This is what heaven's going to be like. We're going to be together. I don't want to mention churches by name, but that church down the road, and that other church down the road, and some other churches that we may not have anything to do with we'll all be together praising the same savior and we won't have to leave and we won't have a Monday morning. Don't you find a Sunday preps you up for the week ahead? I I just think whatever your view is on what you do in the details of Sundays, whether one should watch television or whether one should not. That's, not. that's not the issue, my friend. The issue is we've got a day to give to the means of grace and to enjoy being with God's people and to fellowship. In Scotland, I don't know if they used, uh, they used to do it. I don't know if they still do it. Uh, they uh, would after the evening service they would have informal fellowship they used to do this on the isle of lewis apparently and it would last into the early hours of the morning maybe that's possible uh, on the isle of lewis (laughs) and people would just be talking freely about how the lord has been dealing with them Uh, well let's leave it at that because we're coming now to the ordinance Uh, but are we going to resolve, get a life, are we going to resolve to give ourselves to prayer, the word, and fellowship, the means of grace? And as we do so, we will find uh, the Lord strengthening us. I'm going to recommend this book again, What Happens When We Worship. It's a lovely little study by a young man who's only 30 years old, uh jonathan landry cruz you know when when you want to uh, to um uh, get fit uh you uh, have to give yourself don't you to um exercise uh jogging and to eating healthily and as you do that day in day out uh your body hopefully begins to get back into shape May we get back into shape spiritually as we give ourselves to these things, for his name's sake. Let's sing before we come to communion. Thou shepherd of Israel and mine, the joy and desire of my heart for closer communion I pine. I long to reside where thou art. Number 620 uh, if you're listening at home. Father, we don't want to complain but to return thanks to thee for ever giving us the grace to keep on standing and we just thank thee for giving us the means of grace and especially for the Lord's day that there isn't anything negative about it. Forgive us for thinking more in terms of what we don't do rather than the wonderful possibilities of this day and Lord, we remember those times when we were first saved and we just could not get enough of the word and of prayer and of fellowship. Lord, make us again want to abide. Uh, abide in Jesus Christ and abide in fellowship with one another. Lord, we have to go into the world. But may we realise that we are pilgrims and strangers. And that one, one Sunday after another, uh, one oasis after another in the deserts, will take us a day's step, a day's march near home. So bless us now as we come around the table, remind us, O oh Lord, of what it cost thy son to make us whole in his name. Amen.